Hey guys, we got a great conversation to bring you today, but before we get there, we got to tell you about a couple of our sponsors. First thing I want to tell you about is the Movement Conference. Here's Pastor Kenneth Carpenter. The Movement Conference is designed to present a balanced apostolic church and apostolic ministries. We are living in a day of extremism. And if there has ever been a time in the history of the church that we remain balanced, it is today. The Movement Conference will be blessed with the dynamic anointed preaching of Brother Jimmy Tony, Brother David Poole, Brother Matthew Ball, Brother Sam Emery, Brother Aaron Bounds, Brother J.H. Osborne, and Brother Raymond Woodward. Make plans now to be a part of the very first The Movement. This conference is August the 31st through September the 2nd in Maryville, Tennessee. This is something you're not gonna wanna miss. You can invite your friends, invite the people you've been in church with, uh, anybody who you think would be beneficial to move the church forward. Go to livethemovement.org for more information. And we talked with a good friend of ours that has some insight knowledge. And he was telling us that we're almost done with a lot of the pre-sale tickets. So you might wanna go on there right now and save yourself some money. Go to livethemovement.org. Hello, Crucial Conversation listeners, pastors, youth pastors, leaders in your local church. My name is Corey Sanders, and I want to introduce you to God First Living. God First Living is a seminar that equips and teaches saints to balance business with blessings so they can succeed in both the secular and the spiritual to further the kingdom and be the best they can be in their local church. I have been a business owner since I have been 19 years of age, so 20 plus years of experience living the principles of God First Living. My workshops and seminars are to educate believers on how to take a passion and turn it into a thriving business that blesses you personally and the kingdom. Learn how to build a successful business and to be productive and powerful in your local assembly by living a balanced life. I will give your church body attendees practical tools backed by biblical principles that have allowed my family to live in the abundant blessing. Our mission theme at our church, Apostolic Center, is give and go. Some people can give and some can go. I wanted to be able to do both. And because of these God first principles, I have the opportunity to go all over the country and all over the world in ministry. Because you can be successful in business and successful in the kingdom. It's learning how to balance. And God first living principles will show you how. Anyone can do this. I only have an high school education, no business degrees, no businessman father that taught me the ropes, just a burden, started a business, learned to balance, and living in blessing. This is for every saint or entrepreneur that wants to step into blessing and be blessed personally and bless their local assembly by giving and doing more in the kingdom of God. It's not just inspirational talk, but a testimony of a desire to be more in the kingdom and live in the overflow by building a thriving business, a fruitful ministry, and a balanced life. For more information, go to my website, godfirstliving.com. Once again, godfirst.com living.com and i'll end with this i live by the words of my friend and late missionary brother steve willoughby who's spoken to my life if you take care of god's business he will take care of yours god first living god bless hello my fellow podcast listeners it's charity sanders from modest direct here i have been super excited to get a chance to connect with the crucial conversation listeners these past few months ModestDirect.com specializes in women's clothing. I try to have a vast 
range of inventory that is changing and updating weekly. ModestDirect.com has a variety of styles. We have the Flannery Carpenter Collection that has been a huge hit for those that love the trendy new look. We have gorgeous dresses, pencil skirts, and unique tops that keep our customers coming back again and again. We are a five-star Google-rated company. Yay, Modest Direct! Customer service is my number one goal. We don't have anything on our website over $50. Modest Direct offers women's apparel in most styles from small to plus sizes. Follow us on Modest Direct on Instagram and like the Modest Direct Facebook page. I would just love to give you the opportunity to sign up for our email group at modestdirect.com. We give exclusive chances to sales there and often release new inventory to the VIP email group first. Make sure and use the Crucial Conversation 21. That's Crucial Conversation 21 coupon code for 10% off your entire order. ModestDirect.com can't wait to hear from you and help you with all your shopping needs. I think it's crucial that you visit ModestDirect.com and we have a great conversation about all the modest clothing that you are going to love. God bless you. Now my friends, let's get to this awesome interview that me and Brian had the privilege and opportunity to sit down with Charity Gale, singer, songwriter, just an extraordinary person. Hear her story in this podcast. You guys know, thanks for tuning in to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Hey guys, this is Brian and I'm Tony and you're listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Absolute fish out of water today because I can't clap on beat and we have one of the uh, biggest stars uh in music today it seems to me I mean, you you would have to have just not been at any church uh even on easter and christmas and not have heard a song by the artist that tony and i are privileged to speak with today and so i'd like to welcome uh to the podcast charity gale thank you for taking the time to speak with tony and i yeah absolutely and hello everybody i'm super excited to be here today so like Brian said, you had a song uh, this year that was probably in, I would, if I was a guessing betting person, um, me and Brian like to do over-unders. I would say the over-under on Thank You for the Blood was in 75% of apostolic churches uh, this Easter. What does oh, that, wow. what does that do to, including our church, by the way, what does that do to an artist such as yourself to know 
that a song that you have recorded um, has went such like huge viral. What does that do for you? Well, honestly, it, it completely humbles me. First of all, um, the fact that, you know, so many people are sensing what God is breathing on that song is just such a joy to witness. And if I began to tell you the amount of testimonies that have come back on social media from people listening to their, that song, even in their, the privacy of their own homes and God just moving so mightily, it's, it's really such an honor um, to hear that people have really grabbed onto the song. And um, more importantly, I feel like the gospel is in that song. And so for people to be sharing it all over social media and to be singing it in their churches and giving God all the glory in it, it's amazing to see the gospel being sung in three and a half minutes to, you know, a world that wouldn't otherwise hear the gospel. So I'm, I'm so excited what God's doing through the song and breathing on it. Um, and it's really just been such a joy to steward the song. Um, I really, I think that there might be a misconception that the work ends as soon as the recording goes out. We really, we try our best to make sure that um, resources are available to the church, that if someone from the single song leader in their own home to the biggest choir you can think of, that everyone has accessibility to that music through chord charts, tracks, um, audio, video, whatever they need. We really feel like we're called to steward not only um, the writing of the song, but to be a, a just just to be able to get the song in the hands of the people that need it and um, would love to do it. So I, I really feel like we're just hitting the ground running. Um, and so, yeah, thank you, Jesus, for the blood has just been such a blessing, not only to me and my husband and the other writers on it, but um, I just I sense that God's doing something mightily in the season through that song, um, especially. But, you know, that's what we we pray for all the songs that we write. And we're super excited about what's coming next. So. So that's it's possibly uh, my favorite uh, song right now in um, in the Christian music realm. It's, it's probably my favorite song. Um, the only problem is, is I have my ear pods in and I, I try to hit that bridge with you every time. I, <laughs> I, I can't sing. I'm not a singer by a long shot, but I try to hit it every single time and I just can't get it. But we're going to get back to your music here in a little bit. Um, but we want to kind of get to know you um, behind the microphone. You know, we, Brian and I like to, to tell people we like to get to know our guests behind the pulpit. Well, you have a unique ministry of, of a microphone and using your voice. And um, but we want to kind of go way back. We want to we want to kind of know who you are. Um, you know, kind of your upbringing. And I know um, from listening to you on another podcast that you were. A, uh, you're a preacher's daughter and your grandfather was a preacher, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, so my tell uncle us a little as well. Bit about, a little bit of backstory about who you are. So I come from, or I should say, I hail from Buffalo, New York. It is the land of chicken wings, Niagara Falls, and in my opinion, the best pizza on the planet. Um, All right, whoa, thank whoa, you for whoa, coming yeah, on to the podcast. <laughs> No, right here, right here. Now go ahead. And so, so clarify for Tony because he doesn't understand this, that New York style pizza is indeed better than Chicago style. Pizza. Oh my gosh! I 
honestly, to each his own, but I have got to say, Franco's Pizza in Buffalo, New York is my absolute favorite pizza. Oh, my word. Have you ever heard but of I have had. I Have I heard of what? Giordano's Pizza? Oh, I've had Giordano's. It's excellent. It is excellent, excellent pizza. I would uh, not say no to going there. However, if you gave me a is. choice, if you gave me a choice, of course, I'm going to go home base and get me some pizza. <laughs> uh, so another quick rabbit hole real quick. Um, are you a part of Bill's Mafia? I am. I, you know, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I think that the Bills really played a good season last year and <laughs> I am not what you call a fair weather friend. I've been through the four Super Bowl losses and all. So, oh. you know, I'm going to stick, stick with it for sure. Are, are you, are we ever going to see you on social media going through a table from jumping off of a fan? No, no, you won't, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so back to okay, your question. I'm, I'm really at this conversation. We go oh, back so, to yeah, so because I know nothing about music or sports. So <laughs> oh. y'all are really, really leaving me out of it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you become a Bills fan, they're really fun to watch. My husband, Ryan, he was not um, really big on sports, but they're, they're just such a fun team to watch play. So I bet you you could become a really good Bills fan. Just saying. Oh, <laughs> we we got to turn this podcast around in a hurry. <laughs> All right, so go back. You were uh, talking about uh, born and raised in Buffalo. Keep going. Tell us a little bit about how freezing cold that is. Yeah, you know, honestly, it is cold in the winter. I will give it that. However, it has the most beautiful summers you will ever experience in your life. So the winters, honestly, if you grow up in it, it's not that bad. You know, you get lake effect snow, which is crazy. So what that is, is you have Lake Erie and Lake Ontario that will pick snow up and literally dump it on the cities around and around the lakes. And so we would get feet of snow at a time. But, you know, when you have a fireplace and a generator and, you know, everyone checks on their neighbors. So it's actually known as the, the city of good neighbors. So, um, yeah, it's just it every... People are proud to live there because they feel like you have to be a really strong personality to get through the winters there. <laughs> so honestly, I have a funny story. When my grandfather came to um, plant a church there in Buffalo, they they had been planting churches all over the nation. But what's really funny is they pulled up uh, with a boat attached to their car in the middle of winter, driving it to Buffalo to plant a church. And the, there was a person at the toll booth that was like, have fun with your boat, guys. <laughs> There's absolutely nowhere for them to actually use their boat in the middle of winter. So they were, you know, new to the whole idea of being completely snowed in. Um, but that just makes you realize how strong of the call that God had on their lives to be there. Because now my dad is the pastor of New Life Center. It's a thriving church and doing really well in a beautiful city. And um, it's my home church and I love it. And uh, it's the people that um, helped raise me. And so, you know, I'm just, I'm glad for how God works things out, you know, even in the middle of a frozen tundra. <laughs> so being raised in church, um, when, when did you know that singing was kind of your thing? Oh, I was three years old. I, I loved to sing. Um, but more importantly, I feel like my parents and my grandparents, they really put an emphasis on worship in our home. 
And I, I would say that my love for worship is the strongest it's been in my whole, every day it gets stronger, but, um, really falling in love with the Lord at such a young age and knowing that I could use music to worship him wholeheartedly. I mean, I, I was in hook, line and singer from the very beginning, um, knew from a very young age, I was even going to go to school for music ultimately to give it right back to the Lord. So, um, yeah, I knew, I knew from a very young age. Um, I didn't like songwriting so much. I, I think I started writing when I was about 14 and I think it was just the creative angst of a teenager that caused me to do so, but I wouldn't say it was a strong desire in my life to, to follow songwriting, but, um, I'm glad that I was able to kind of walk through that. And now I'm in love with songwriting as much as I am carrying music with my voice and, um, giving both unto the Lord as worship. So it's been, it's been really great. So what was the what first was the, song that you ever wrote? Sorry, Brian. No, go ahead. Oh, that's a, that is definitely a fun question. The first song I ever wrote was a song called um, Dear America. And it, it was um, just my response to the Columbine uh, shootings when I was, I think I was early teens when that happened. Um, and it's not very good. I, <laughs> all I know is though, it helped me connect to a place that I felt like, man, I really wanted to say something and I didn't know how to say it, but, you know, putting pen to paper and writing down lyrics, um, saying how we needed God in America again, and, um, that we just needed him in that moment. And so, yeah, I know that may be a little dark, but that's, that, that was my very first song. So, um, I feel like God uses everything, including grief, to kind of mold and shape a person, you know? Absolutely. Well, absolutely. It's like in the Psalms. There's so many Psalms that were written from, from tragedy. Right. Exactly. So they can, they can always inspire us. Uh, so whenever you were growing up, what were the songs before you were starting to do your own music? What were some songs that were some songs that you would say are influential songs or influential songwriters or uh, singers, musicians? that have influenced you? Well, um, I loved choirs. I grew up listening to Brooklyn Tabernacle. Um, I loved anything from Indiana Bible College and um, a lot of the different Bible colleges that would produce albums. I just loved the sound of multiple voices singing all at the same time. John P. Key, um, Kurt Carr, I really feel was a, a just an amazing writer. And I loved how melody and lyric together could just make such a beautiful um, offering to the Lord, you know, because you can be good at playing music or you could be good at speaking. But to put those two things together was so inspiring to me. And um, honestly, when I look back on it and I see the things that I'd put in my CD player, <laughs> um, I really loved anything that had a choir on it. Um, and my mom was the choir director at our church for a very long time. And so a lot of the stuff that we did in church, um, I was there every Thursday at choir practice as a little kid and, you know, got such a love for harmonies. And um, so that really shaped me as far as the type of music that I like. But as I've, you know, developed as a songwriter, I've realized that um, 
you can't just write what you're comfortable with. You have to really see what the church is, is singing and wanting to sing. Um, and again, like hymns too, I always love going back to the hymns, but I think what's super cool about what we are trying to do now as writers is to bridge the hymns that we used to sing and, and the sounds of the church now and put those things together so that people of all ages and backgrounds can sing the same song, um, and give God glory through it. So yeah, I think I, I just listened to so many different types of music growing up too, but my favorite was definitely the the choir albums. So I want to kind of ask you uh, about the community of artists that you've surrounded yourselves with and you recorded so many popular songs with. How did you how did you become such a vital part of that group and kind of how how did it all develop? Well, honestly, the Lord gets all the credit for that. Um we started writing songs as a group um, and then decided that we were going to um, formulate a songwriting camp for teens um, called The Emerging Sound. And what's so beautiful about that is we come from all different denominational backgrounds. And so when we would write songs together, it was like being in a six hour Bible study writing certain songs because, you know, every tribe has their vocabulary, if you will. And they also have trigger words. So it was amazing to actually get to the root of scripture because there's no way that anybody can um, argue with scripture. Right. So all of the songs that we started writing were so based in the word of God um, that I think that it just resonated with people and to be able to um, worship with people like Joshua Sherman. He's just incredible. And yes, he is as cool as he looks. <laughs> um, and so being able to write with Joshua Sherman and Stephen Musso, the Slays, um, my husband, Ryan Kennedy. I mean, that was a season where songs like Throne Room Song came out and New Name Written Down in Glory. And um, like I said earlier, I think it's the Lord that breathes on it, but we are um, called to steward those songs and to treat them as, as if they were given to us by the Lord, because they are, but to get them into the hands of the church. Right. But the thing that we have to be careful of is, uh, making sure that it is so rooted in scripture because we're responsible for what the church is singing. And I think as songwriters, um, at me as a songwriter, I've, I've got to understand that, you know, if a song is going to go, it needs to be founded in complete, absolute truth in the word of God. So, um, but it has been such a blessing to be able to walk that journey with, um, people that are outside of my sphere and to, uh, be able to go into different states and camps and to see what the Lord is doing in each of those places. Cause I mean, you know, even geographically we're different, you know, so it, it's very cool that we can all be in unity through a song. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, when you, you sang, uh, you brought the song up, th the throne room song. So you sang that at, because of the times, I believe it was 2017, 2018, something like that. Yeah, um, 2018. And 2018. And, um, you know, that is such an impactful song. Another song that is sang all across our movement. So whenever you are writing 
uh, lyrics on a page. Where does that inspiration come from other than just the scripture? You know, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the music department at our church and in the Arkansas district and on different levels and different places. But I, I've never I've never helped write music or write lyrics or anything like that. So that's something that very much so intrigues me is where does that where does your inspiration come from? You know, other than just, you know, the scripture and such, because uh, we asked the same question to Mark Crowder. He just put on a phenomenal um, album not Absolutely. too long ago. And, you know, his inspiration came from literally the year of 2020 where everybody was just paralyzed with fear. And he felt like he had to address that. Where does your uh, all your inspiration come from? Wow. Well, there's a lot of songs up to this point. So they... I draw from a lot of different places, but ultimately, um, I think it starts for me personally, I have found that co-writing is one of my favorite things to do because as a writer, it kind of gets you out of your own head a little bit. Um, so a lot of times if we have two or three writers in the room, we each bring a concept or something that God has on, has placed on our hearts. So sometimes we're writing from um, a concept that I've brought to the table, or sometimes maybe Ryan has brought to the table. Um, and the other thing is if you as, as a musician, you know, wanted to start writing a really good place to draw inspiration is exactly like what you said, you draw from personal experience and your local church is going to know exactly where your heart is because you're walking in that together. And I think that local uh, ministry is so important that way. And what I have found is when we're drawing inspiration from events that are happening in our lives personally, or maybe happening at a church level, um, that when you sit down to write those songs, what's so beautiful about it is um, you get the chance to see how that affects people outside of your local ministry. Because I, I have found that we'll write a song that means something so personally to us but we are intended on using um, congregational language so that the church can sing it. And what ends up happening is other churches go, oh yeah, we're walking through something similar. We would love to sing something like that. Or yeah, or this resonates with our churches too. But it always comes from a place that you have walked out yourself. You can't, you can't write about something that you've not experienced or seen in scriptures for yourself. So I, I and I think that inspiration sometimes maybe um, a, a word that makes you think that you can't write unless you're inspired. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that write, that we can write and we can do things that God's called us to do even when we don't feel inspired. And um, a dear friend of mine used to say, you don't write when you're inspired, you write until you're inspired. And so I, I love that idea because you can sit down and for example, like I walked through a season um, of a, a dear friend of ours um, at the church in Buffalo who was walking through cancer and being able to write with her on my heart. But, you know, knowing that other people would benefit from that because they may be walking a similar situation. Um, and that's not that's not inspiring as much as it is. I feel the need to accomplish that for the people in our spheres, you know, the 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 idea that a world could come to church but chooses not to but maybe a song will reach in their living room when they least expect it does that make sense absolutely so 100 percent. 
Yeah. So I feel like the, the short answer is I'm inspired by literally anything and everything, but I don't limit it to my inspiration. I, I really do feel called by what we're walking through and what God has us walking through to continue to write. So I'm going to ask you 100% to be as transparent as you will with our listeners. Um, I want to ask you kind of how you deal with um, burnout and fatigue. Um, because if say you're traveling and you guys are on tour um, and you are going from city to city to um, platform to different stages, all these different venues, what do you do to make sure that you know, you are prepared to, to present a, um, a burden every time you speak and sing, because these people who come and see you, they, they're, they may be, you know, bought tickets or made plans, you know, way out and they're got super excited to come see you and they expect you to give them 110%. What do you do to deal with God, make my heart right. So I present to them what you've laid on it. Well, definitely, first and foremost, start exactly like how you said with prayer and realizing, again, you're called to a specific thing. Um, But the Lord has also called us to rest. And I believe that both of those things work um, in tandem and having a balance of those things is very important. Um, The other key word that I've learned in the last few years is boundaries. Um, for example, if I know I'm going to be on the road for three straight weeks and I know that I'm going to have a very tedious schedule, but I want to meet everybody. I want to speak to people and I want to pour out 110%, no matter, um, what size church it is or where it is or, or how tired I am. So the boundaries that I lay for myself is I go, okay, well, I know I'm not going to get a lot of sleep this week, so I'm going to limit my you know, when people can reach me via text or phone after a certain time of day, or, you know, it's just little things like that. I take social media off my phone so that I can focus on the people right in front of me. Um, So you'll see, I guess, like cycles of when I'm posting on social media quite a bit. And then when I'm not, it's because I've placed boundaries um, in my life that I think are important for me to be at peace and at rest, even when I'm working and, and going full speed, like you said, um, making sure that I eat well, and also just staying completely focused on what God is asking of us. And then honestly, when I feel like I'm very tired, um, I take a rest, I'll take a day off, um, and just shut everything down and be present with my husband, my family and the Lord and, um, soon to be puppy. And I'm, you know, just, I think that we we don't need to beat ourselves up when we feel tired. But then when we know we have a job to do and have have a finish line, we say, okay, well, I know if I have this much that I need to do, I am going to rest a day or two after the fact. And my friends in Norway, I've, I've loved this. I went over to Norway um, for the Breaking the Chains conference. I think it's 2018, January 2018, we went. And um what they did is they went full speed for like four days, but then they actually had taken off of work and included all of us that had come to the conference together and took us up into the Northern part of Norway to have rest together for two days. And I just thought that was the most beautiful thing that I had ever heard. Cause you know, 
in American culture, we go right back to work the next day. And I'm not saying that you neglect what you need to do, but it was just such a different um, perception of like, no, this is part of the conference. The conference happens and then you take a day or two of rest and that's all intertwined. So again, I feel like boundaries are super important. Rest definitely is important, but that gives you the license to go as hard as you possibly can when you need to. So that's, that's what I would say. <laughs> so whenever you are traveling, you, I noticed you said that rest is important. And when you are um, not resting in ministry, I think that you're damaging not only yourself, but those around you. Um, there is, as a preacher's kid, just as, such as yourself, we all witness things that um, our, our folks and our family, um, which is our pastors, well, they go through that people don't always see. And I think that is a big, vital, important role that we should allow those who lead us, whether it be in music or whether it be in um, preaching or however, that there has to be a time of rest. Um, right. Because, you know, it's, it's so difficult to constantly feel like you have to be in um, a certain motive or a certain, um, you get what I'm saying? You just, you feel like the pressure of the world's on you and you've always got to be performing. And rest is something that, you know, is almost overlooked because we always feel like we've got to be taking everything to the next level. I'm glad you talked about that a little bit is um, how important that really is. So talk about uh, your relationship. You and your husband are doing music together. Um, you're currently uh, getting, are you either are getting ready to travel, correct? Doing some more music. Oh, we're definitely full speed traveling right now already. Um, him and I have an interesting situation in our marriage where we're both full-time artists so sometimes it will be um like maybe even once a month that we're able to go to church together just because we're ministering in different places um I kind of joke around with him I was like it, it took COVID for us to be able to have a New Year's Eve together since we got married so wow. um yeah so holidays are different in our family but again like I you know going back to the the rest thing um, we have to make sure that when we're home, that we are celebrating those things together and not just overlooking them. Um, and now, um, I'm really excited to talk about, uh, Ryan and I, and the reason why I believe God's called us to Houston, Texas is because we've started a ministry called gather house, which is going to be a house of worship and prayer. That's going to be 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and we like to tell people that we're a 24-hour prayer house in training because we we do once a month worship and prayer nights. Um, and we just started daybreak prayer, which is once every uh, Wednesday early in the morning, which is a sacrifice for me because I do not like to get up in the morning. Um, but it's been such an amazing journey to see what God is doing. Um, and we are literally just walking our lives right now in complete trust and faith in what God is doing. And um, so to see gather house being born, uh, especially in this day and age, has just been such an amazing thing to witness and to be a part of. So we're so excited about what God's doing through that. 
So what is the importance of being equally yoked um, with your spouse? Uh, a lot of our listeners is um, from the age group of 18 to 35, I think is what it is. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the importance of being equally yoked in marriage? Absolutely. It's imperative. You have to be. It's scriptural. Um, I think the important ingredient that sometimes we overlook uh, is communication with our spouses. And, you know, if we know, you know, Ryan and I will do this thing where if we know we're not going to see each other for a while, we make sure that we talk through everything, including how we're feeling about things and um, where we just are as human beings, because we know we're not going to see each other for a little while. Um, but we're also, you know, you have to be aligned with your spouse and also challenged by your spouse to do better in your spiritual walk with the Lord. That's imperative. So, um, I like to tell people that I, I was literally walking through the fire for the Lord and I had to wait for someone to be brave enough to walk in the fire with me not a bad thing. It's just what God has called you to do. And if you can find a, a, a spouse that can align with you on that, that, that is the most important thing in the world, um, is to be equally yoked with your spouse. So yes, I think it's very important. Whenever we, um, as musicians and singers, we get together every Sunday and we get together every Wednesday and we, we all do this thing together. Um, we're almost like a family itself. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the importance of um, being in, let's, let's just use the word a band, um, you know, praying for one another and being united with one another and make sure that we're all on the same page. Um, the reason I say that is because I've been a part of some very, um, <laughs> I'm going to be very careful how I say this. Some very um, discorded groups. And it's so obvious whenever we're trying to perform, let's say on a Sunday morning, and it almost just fall apart because we weren't united together and we weren't there for the common purpose. Um, yeah. Will you talk a little bit just very briefly? I know this is a kind of a very touchy subject because even the people that, you know, listen to us. I go to church with, I don't want them coming up to me being like, well, what was that supposed to mean? Well, <laughs> that, people that you sing with saying, well, what, 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 what were you insinuating there? But I want you to talk a little bit about the importance of being united together in ministry. So I am a firm believer that if you are privileged enough to be on the platform, and again, I, I say that word privilege because it is, it's an honor to be there. And to have a humble spirit because that, that is where ministry unto the Lord happens. It's not a performance. It's not the time for spotlights to shine on us. It's time for us to become invisible. And we have done our jobs as worship leaders, musicians, tech team, everybody who has involvement on a Sunday morning. We have done our jobs if we become invisible and God becomes visible. And so... First and foremost, I think it's important for teams to really unify on that front and to give each other grace because we're all human and none of us are perfect. And I, I will definitely say, you know, there are going to be times where there's going to be arguments amongst 
like what you said, family, because you're close, you work very closely together. But when I was music director at New Life Center, we would have um, meetings and I would ask my team, you know, what has God been putting on your heart lately? And I would let them communicate to me as well. It wasn't that I was the only one in the room and what I said goes. I wanted to hear the heartbeat of what my team had to say, because that was in turn a reflection of what the church's heartbeat was. Um, and it ended up being great. We, you know, we instilled this uh, when we could, it wasn't every week. It was maybe bi-weekly or every three weeks or so we would get together as a team. And, and that included tech team, sound team, media, whoever's involved with making worship happen on a Sunday morning, we would all get together. And we would worship and pray together. And what I noticed was um, when we had our own personal worship time where there was no pressure and there was no microphones and it was just us and Jesus, and we were able to ask each other, I could go around the room and I would say, hey, sis, like what's going on in your life right now? And how can we be praying for you about that? What that did was it brought us on a level of, you know, oh, we don't just get together for rehearsals and on Sunday mornings, but I'm actually seeing man, my sister or my brother needs help this week. I mean, they've been really going through it at work and I now have the opportunity to lift them up in prayer. And honestly, just being able to know where people are at when they're there and to pray with them and be with them during that season, it was such a blessing. And there were a lot less arguments about things. And then we also had what I like to call the heart file. And I would ask my team like, hey, what, when you were in the car two days ago, did God put a song on your heart when you were listening to your music? Like what song was that? And so we had this uh, Google doc called the heart file. And every month we would have people put recommendate people from the team put recommendations in that file. And they understood that that didn't mean we were going to sing every single one of them, but to even personally reflect on what was ministering to them in their time. Um, some of those songs ministered to me greatly. And, and some of those songs ended up making it on a Sunday morning set list. And so I think it's about being open with each other and realizing that we all have fallen short of the glory of God and need to give each other grace. Um, and when things did get hard, I would take, you know, the people that were having riffs with each other. I'd sit them down. We'd go to lunch and I'd say, Hey, listen, you know, you have, you have literally one month to set this straight, or we, we have to make a change because you can't have discord and disunity on the platform. That's it's right. not about us. It's about the kingdom. And it's about what God wants to do and how he wants to work. So, but they, they knowing that going into it, it, it made it very easy to work with people. And the fact that they felt like they could approach me and if they had a problem with something or with me or with someone else, you know, I had created that space of trust where they could come to me. And I think that's important as worshipers and as worship leaders that we create that space for each other to be who we are. And in the moment where we're being that person. So um, I hope that wasn't too loaded. I just, I'm very passionate about that because I take what God has asked us as the worshipers, whether we're in the pew or on the platform very seriously. And I think that especially today, we need to walk in the light that God has given us and not in, you know, the drudgery of, of humanness. Does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. And it's, it's for, at least for me, I like to watch a lot of um, videos on YouTube while say we're doing housework or, 
Um, we're just trying to shut all outside media down and we're just wanting to do something together around the house. And I think that's right. very evident. That's something that you're very passionate about. And I'm not just gassing you up here because we're talking to you, but my wife and I has had this conversation about how worshipful that you truly are when you, when you sing. You're, it's almost as you're exhorting while you're singing in these meetings. And it's just, you know, it's it's something that's almost refreshing to see nowadays because, you know, in those early 90s choirs that you're talking about earlier, you know, those they were so exuberant and swaying and clapping, you know, and, you know, Ricky right. style. And now we're almost like we're, it's more of a performance than it is about God. And it's, mm -hmm. it's more of look what my abilities can produce rather than look and listen to what God's given me the ability to do. And it's, it's something right. that it's, it's almost a lost art. And that's sad to say, but it's almost a lost art to actually worship while presenting worship. Right. And, well, I, I think the important ingredient here that needs to be talked about is prayer because you're not going to be able to do on the platform what you haven't done at home. And Ryan and I, we really are just so fervent about prayer, 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 talking to God, having real relationship with him. And that causes you to have worship in your home by yourself when no one's looking. Um, and worship is a lifestyle. It's not what you do on Sunday mornings. So I, I really appreciate you saying that um, about us. You know, we we want to exemplify how much we truly love the Lord. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm very encouraged by that. So thank you. No worries. So go ahead, Brian. Oh, I will. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Um, so I, again, I don't know uh, just a whole, whole lot about music, but there's been some times where let's say that I've preached and got done. And then whenever I got done, someone comes by and something that I had said, they make light of it. They, they make a joke of it and they mean well, but sometimes comments like that can kind of hurt and kind of dig at you. I wonder, have you had experiences where people have said things to you or about you that have just kind of hurt? And how were you able to navigate through the, the pain to continue to do what you do? Or does people's comments still um, kind of weigh at you, um, if you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Um... I actually had an article sent to me today uh, from a friend who was outraged because of the things they were saying about me in the article. And, you know, I could choose to be hurt, but I, mean, I think I look at it from a different perspective and say, I'm not going to please everyone. So I may as well just try to please God. Um, and another dear pastor uh, that is very affluent in my life said, you know, when you get a compliment, you take it and you put it in the bucket. And when you get something that's hurtful said to you, you take it and you put it in the bucket because ultimately you still have to do what God's asked you to do um, because it's worth the amount of people that are going to be positively touched and influenced by what you've said and how you live your life that the other stuff, even though it may sting, I'm not saying that I'm superhuman. Yes, it does hurt. But you just got to let it sting for a minute and then wipe it off and keep doing what you're doing. Because if I let those people 
influence how I do or what I do for the Lord, what I'm doing is then telling God, well, what they say is more important than what you've said. And I, I just can't bring myself to do that. So I also have to remember that hurt people hurt people. And if, if someone's making light of what you said or, or how you minister, I mean, ultimately that could just be coming from a place of, man, I wish I was doing what they're doing and misery loves company. So maybe if I bring them down, I'll feel a little bit better about myself. It's just human nature. Um, yeah. It's so funny though, that you bring up that question literally on the day that I get slapped with an article that literally just tore me up a new one. So that's really interesting. I think, I yeah, think there's I someone the specifically. Yeah. And I'm also <laughs> very <it>. humble. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I think that someone out there really needs to hear this, you know, don't let that deter you from what, you know, God has called you to. And honestly, the bigger your sphere gets, the more people are probably going to have a problem with it. And we just have to, we got to trust that God knows and, and walk humbly in that. So, I mean, we're all doing the best that we can and our relationship with God, if it is strong, he puts that armor on us and, you know, we can take a lot of darts. So, I mean, I pray, I pray that you personally and anybody else that feels like they've been hurt, um, can say, you know what, I can rise above it. I know that people are people and I just have to serve the Lord and do it to the best of my ability. So, yeah. And that actually, it makes me go, you know what? Yeah. Tomorrow's a new day. Let's go. What was that last question? I'm sorry. Somebody was calling me. So they could kick me out for a second. Oh no, there was, there was one thing that I wanted to ask. Um, if, if there is one thing so you just talked about that that article that was that was kind of painful. If there's one thing that not only your fans, but if there was one thing that everybody could know about Charity Gale, what would you want it to be? Hmm. That the only label that I wear is Jesus Christ. That's it. I want people to see Jesus when they see me. And like I said, if I can become invisible so that God can work through me to help somebody, that's, that's when I can go to sleep knowing this has been a good day because God has done something great and I was able to be a part of it. So if it wasn't for music, what, what do you think your life would be like right now? Oh, I would be a English high school teacher. Um, I would have a master's degree. Um, I'd probably still be living in Buffalo and Eating I don't know if I'd be married or not. I probably wouldn't be married. I'd be one of those spinster teachers that that would be me <laughs> in Buffalo, eating bad pizza, watching bad football, right? Oh, come on now. Come on. <laughs> so I got one last question. It's a lighthearted question. Brian might have something else. My last question to you is if, if you, could uh, collaborate with any artist and create one song and record one song, who would it be? Oh, wow. That's a really hard one. Um, honestly, currently, I would have to say CC Winans. There you go. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. She's just been such 
a pillar, like my whole life, all of her music and her worship. It's just, yeah, I would love to write with CC. That'd be amazing. We're, we're actually supposed to be singing a song about her this Sunday called Believe For It. Have you heard that song? Yes. Oh my gosh. I carry that at every event that I do. I, I think it's such a timely song because faith needs to rise up. So yeah, no, I, I, I am a wholehearted believer that whatever songs you sing, you do it with intentionality. And that's one that I can sing with complete intention. I love it. Absolutely. That's a great song. So we've, we've talked for, uh, it's almost been an hour now. It's quickly. Um, now that we've, we've talked almost an hour and a lot about music, do you, do you ever get tired of talking about music and singing? Mm, I don't get tired of talking about the things of God. I definitely get tired of listening to music sometimes. Sometimes, and this is part of my rest, sometimes I like to just have nothing on. <laughs> so I do get tired. I, I feel like I'm a very... Um, noise pollution sensitive person so like rest for me means complete quiet and honestly the lord can meet me there too so i think that it's really you know it's obviously a preference thing but yes just because i i write i literally live worship and music um music sometimes needs to just have a pause button <laughs> yeah sometimes it's just turns into noise right right uh, yeah so again and the reason why i ask is is i'm just wondering because i know sometimes uh people they almost get put into like a little mold if you just you assume that a person is just this is just the one thing about it and we forget about the person and that's that's there they're not just one dimensional and, and so i was just wondering it, it, what what else are you passionate about other than worship and, and music is, is there anything else that our listeners don't know about you oh i love to read i love to write i've been kind of playing around with the idea of writing a book um i love to speak i i really love to teach also i think that the best of both worlds is when i get to teach music um and the, the what you had called it earlier the art of worship leading so if i get a chance to teach people like i'm so passionate about that um like i said is that I, why I you said be, you think you'd be an english teacher i because i was an english teacher before oh, okay. i kind of switched gears i think that that's definitely something i'm very passionate about i'm actually very passionate about um the arts like painting and drama and writing and just anything of the on the creative scale like you will find me just so inspired by it um and then on the lighter side of things i am very passionate about disney <laughs> i love okay. disney what are you super disney passionate World. about disney <laughs> i just think it's fun and cool and again like it's that creative like oh my gosh like do we really have rides where we feel like we're on another planet and stuff. I just think that's so cool. It's it's that like somebody created this, you know, and and I think that's super awesome. That is uh, that is very unique. Um, you you have something that I wanted to um, let you plug. You have a Patreon account for um, your music. Kind of tell our listeners a little bit about that. 
Yeah. You know, it's really awesome that we live in a day and age where if you feel like you want to, um, so into something, you have the capability to do that. And I discovered Patreon a few years ago and what it is, it's a platform for people to be able to, um, subscribe to the things that you're working on. And I like to use it as, um, like if you want to align with the ministry of what we're doing for people to be able to sew into that. Um, and what that allows us to do just because we're independent artists right now, it allows us to be able to record and to write. So if you like what you're hearing and seeing the way for us to be able to do more of that is for us to partner with people um, just like any ministry. And, and the cool part of it though, is that I'm able to show like songs that have never been released. Um, so it's a little bit more of a, you guys get the special stuff platform and I've really been enjoying it. Everybody who's on there has, has had a great time with it. And, um, yeah, and we're able to do a little bit of teaching on there as well through songwriting. And it's just been a a big blessing, um, here as of late, especially, you know, through the COVID season, it was really nice to have people who still wanted to support and um, just got behind the ministry of what we're doing. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's a blessing. And so I'd be honored for people to be a part of it for sure. So how can our listeners keep following you? I know you have a Facebook page, um, you know, for your devoted to your music, how can they find um, upcoming dates and tours and stuff like that? So if they are uh, following the Facebook page and the website, which is charityguild.com, tour dates and travel dates are going to be posted on that. Um, we've just kind of s- taken a step back from posting a lot of where we've been going lately, uh, just because of the temperature of the of um, the country right now. But we are still going very strong, traveling full time. Um, so keep a lookout for that on the Facebook page and also on the website and, uh, on Instagram too. Um, I'm pretty, pretty active on Instagram and that's charity underscore Gail. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd love to connect with everybody. And when we're out on the road, like that's my favorite to actually see people face to face and to be able to connect with them and and hear their stories and what God's doing through their lives. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. Well, Charity, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk with Brian and I. Um, You know, we are just honored to have somebody of your caliber on our podcast. Um, If if I could just request one thing, and that is to never change who you are, uh, Mm -hmm. because with the way our society is, um, whenever people start to get recognized and noticed and stuff, we almost it's almost like we lose who we are. To follow that light and that's one thing that you've never done and uh, that that's such an inspiration to um, you know people like my little girl coming up listening to your music that can sing your songs um, you know just it's such an inspiration to have um, someone like you someone so genuine and real um, thank you so much for all you do thank you for coming on our podcast um, it's been great uh, thank you so much well thank you guys for having me i really appreciated it and had a great time Well, thank you so much, guys. You've been listening to the Crucial Conversation Podcast.
Wow, 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 wow.